0: No, I I agree, Brother Dwayne, sometimes just showing up is victory, and there's nothing better than to be in the house of God on Wednesday night, in spite of everything that's going on and all the crazy things, so many things that are happening in people's lives, just distractions, that's all they are. You know what I've learned about the devil? If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And he'll get you so strung out on things that really don't matter. You give so much of your energy to them and you panic. And the reality is God's still in control. Amen. Somebody needs to say that right now. I don't care what's going on in your family. I don't care what's happening In your life, God is still in control. He still sits on the throne. Somebody needs to say that right now over your problems, over whatever's troubling you right now. God is still in control. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. is. Hallelujah. 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 I do not read anywhere that God has abdicated His throne. And if that be the case, then we need to just trust Him that whatever needs to be done, God's going to get it done. May not be on our time schedule, but God will get it done. Amen. My responsibility is to not tell God how to do it but just worship Him and know that He can do it. Amen. Amen. Somebody has said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. The book of Psalms, chapter 11, I did not intend to go back to the book of Psalms so quickly, but I have felt drawn there even more so while we've been in service tonight. Psalms, chapter 11, I had to lean over and ask Brother Landon, have I preached out of Psalms 11 lately? Sometimes I forget what I preached, and you, might, you probably do too, so it won't hurt if I preach this before. But. Psalm chapter 11. I'm going to read all seven verses. The psalmist David said it like this In the Lord put I my trust. How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. That's what the devil would like for you to do is just run away and hide because of the problems that are around you. But he said, "In the Lord, put I my trust. How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow they make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart if the foundation be destroyed what shall the righteous do or what can the righteous do verse number 4 he said the Lord is in his holy temple the Lord's throne is in heaven His eyelids behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. And everybody said, Amen. God will give you a title while I'm preaching tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. David's early life could be divided into three parts. Part of his life was spent in the country. There were years that were spent in the court of Saul. And then there were several that were spent in the cave, hiding and running for his life. David learned something different during each stage of his life. He learned different things during those seasons that he went through. The country life that David had known as a boy was the formative years of his life. And it was here that he learned how to worship God. It was there in that solitary place watching the sheep, taking care of the things of his family, that he learned how to love God. And he learned how to connect with God in worship. The country, we could say, in one sense, made a saint out of David. For it taught him that no matter what may happen, whether lions or bears or whatever may come your way, that God is with you and that you can learn how to worship him through whatever it is that you are experiencing at that moment. There are many Psalms that David wrote that were from this season of his life. And if you look at them, you will note a particular note of worship in every one of them. It was that season of growing and learning and developing his spiritual life and his walk with God He learned how to worship. And then there were the court days, his fateful years of his life that were spent in service of King Saul. A man, though he was head and shoulders above all others, was a man of lesser character than anyone could even have imagined. He never knew from one day to the next if he would still have his head on his shoulders. David didn't know whether Saul loved him or hated him. For one moment he was calling on him to play his sweet music on the heart and soothe his troubled soul. And the next moment he was throwing a javelin at him to take his life. It was here in this setting that David learned something more about life. He learned wisdom. He learned how to behave himself. And even though he could see the work of God and the hand of God being removed from Saul's life, he was very careful. It was here that David learned how to keep himself in check and not allow his, his personality and his temper to get the best of him. He learned in the court how to limit himself and to never lose his cool, to keep his calm and his demeanor, no matter what other people were doing around him or what people were doing to him. It was in this stage of life that he learned the wisdom of the ages and he himself became extremely wise in his handling of himself. So much so that on three separate occasions in the writings of Samuel and the Chronicles, the Bible says of David that he behaved himself wisely. He was in a very difficult setting and situation, but somehow what he had learned from God in that pastoral experience and the worship of God it now grew and developed into a deeper understanding of God. And God was with him and helped him know how to act and behave himself under pressure situations. And when hate was all around him, I wish that we could go back and learn some of those things from David That when we are in situations that make us want to uh, reach out and hurt somebody, that instead we would behave ourselves in a way that would bring honor to the God that we say we worship and the one that we say we serve. David was one that learned how to behave as a servant wisely the bible said wiser than all of the servants of Saul David in this time and season of his life learned how to handle himself under pressure what a great thing to learn to learn how to keep a a lid on your temper and your and, and to not let it boil over into doing things that you would regret or saying things that later on you wish you could go back and and take back. You know what I've learned? You never have to ask forgiveness of things you've not said. Amen. If you don't ever say it, you don't ever have to say, I'm sorry that I said that. And so he learned that there were things that you just have to keep in check and david was wise in that way i pray that i could be that way that i could handle myself under pressure and in situations where everything in me wants to lash out and get back and yet i could learn to keep my tongue and not only that but i could learn to leave things in god's hands David was wise enough to know that he did not see far enough to know all the things that needed to be known. And so he decided that he was not going to play God. That's a wise thing for any of us to consider that we not, we need to leave that throne to God. That none of us have the wisdom or the power to sit in that place of judgment. And so David behaved himself wisely. He learned a lot during that season of his life. And then there were the fugitive years, the years when he ran and he hid in the caves and Saul was pursuing him. The Bible said every day he pursued him and he came after him to take his life. When he was chased from Dan to Beersheba by Saul's bloodhounds, he learned warfare, but he learned what to fight. And what not to fight. He learned how to lead men. And he learned how to be a soldier. A good soldier. And a good soldier endures hardness according to Paul. There's some things about living for God that are not easy. And they are not simple. But you have to learn That if you're going to be a soldier in the army of God, you're just going to have to have a tough skin sometimes. And you're going to have to learn how to take orders without talking back. Amen. And David learned that. He learned how to be a leader even though he was being chased and pursued. He learned how to keep his spirit in check. And many psalms that were written during this period of time reflect his wisdom in that regard but the psalm that we read from was during that dangerous period in his life when he was in the court of Saul David was serving in the court of Saul at Saul's request he had not elevated himself Saul had asked him to come there and he had been brought in for the select purpose of helping to calm the nerves of this king who at times would go into fits of rage and panic and a dark black sullen spirit and mood would fall over him and David would be called upon to bring his sweet harp and his song and he would begin to play and sing and The ministry of God's spirit would begin to soothe and calm Saul down. But later that same boy that was the errand boy of the king became the hunted of the court. The darling of the people became the one that Saul hated the most. And he went after him in a dogged pursuit every day. And the nation cheered for David louder than they cheered for Saul and that made things even worse and Saul hated him even the more and the more that David did and the more that he tried to do right the more it seemed that Saul became angry and the song that David wrote the 11th song is a a song that came out of the turmoil of that season of his life when he was wrestling with a lot of different emotions and a lot of different things were going on. And it seems that David learned something during that season of turmoil that helped him. And I pray that it would help us tonight. It was during this crisis in his life that this testament was written and this song was born and it was really, in, in essence, if you boil it all down and you were to take everything that I'm going to try to say tonight, and you just reduced it down to its simplest form, Psalms chapter 11, is basically a declaration of Saul or of David of how he was going to live under that kind of pressure and those kind of problems. How he was going to live dealing with people that are just hard to deal with. That are evil and wicked and vile. And they have no scruples and they, they play by no rules. They It's just man against man. And uh, whoever comes out on top, it doesn't matter how you got there. That's all that mattered. And David lived through a season like that. And he dealt with people in his life that didn't play by the rules they didn't they didn't care about hurting people or doing things that would bring harm to others and david learned something during that season of his life that he wanted to live by a certain principle and if there's anything that i could pass along to you tonight it would be to study the 11th psalm and make it part of your daily prayer that God would help you to learn how to live by the same principles. And for anyone who has been tempted to run away and hide or has been tempted to get back at somebody that has hurt you or done something against you or spoken evil against you, this is a great psalm to memorize. It's a great song to sing in that kind of night. I could read it to you again. It wouldn't take very long. But David declared that this is going to be how I'm going to live. In the Lord, I will put my trust. Very important that you start at the right place when you're dealing with situations like that. And you can never allow bad people to make you bad. You can't allow people to drag you down to their level Because if you do, then they've won. Even if nothing else happens, the fact that they brought you down to their level means they've won. So David said, you know what? He may hate me, he may despise me, but I am not going to hate him and I'm not going to despise him. Because I'm not here to serve Saul. I may be in service to the court of Saul, but I am here ultimately to serve the Lord. He is the one who sits on the throne. And so my life, everything that I do, everything that I want, my whole being centers around one desire, and that is to please God. If I can just do His will, that's all that matters. I don't care what anybody else does. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. I personally, my goal, my one desire is that I might serve Him and trust Him and keep my life in line with his will. Lord help us to learn. That simple principle. That the Lord is going to be the one. That I'm going to lean on. And I'm going to depend on. Here is how David learned. How to deal with trouble. But better yet. He learns how to. Or he determines. How to deal with his situation. That in in spite of what was happening and what Saul was doing to him and how he was treating him and how he felt toward him all of the things that he could not do anything about and then it seems that there were Job's comforters even in David's life it seems that there were others in the court that realized what was going on with David and they saw the animosity from Saul toward him and, and so they began the whispering. You know, that always happens in life that there's always going to be somebody somewhere that's going to give you a little bit of advice about what you're going through and, and, and if this was happening to them, this is what they would do. And so evidently there were some people in the court but when David was living under this pressure and he didn't know when he showed up for work if he was going to have something thrown at him or if Saul was going to hug him and love him. You've never been around anybody like that, a Jekyll and a Hyde. You don't know when you wake up in the morning if you're kissing a vampire or a, a kitty cat. You just don't ever know. Maybe you don't have that in your house. I don't have that in my house. I know <laughs> Some of you look so serious right now. It's like, man, you just, maybe I'm too heavy already, but I don't mean to be. But you know what I'm talking about. You just don't know. You show up at work and you don't know whether the boss is going to just hug you and kiss you and talk about how great you are or if he's going to be cussing you out and calling you everything but a good person. And that's where David was at. He was in that kind of environment. It was not an easy situation to be in. He was living under some unbelievable pressure. And then to add to that. All these people that are supposed to be his friends. And they're whispering in the background. And they're saying you know what. If it was me I'd be like a bird. I'd fly out of here. I'd get away from this. You know, if it was me this is what I would do. And David's having to listen to all that. And he's hearing what they're saying. And and all the judgment that they're passing. You know it's amazing how wise people are about your problems. That, but when it comes to their own personal problem. They're dumb as a brick. But they know everything about how to solve your problem. They know how to fix you up. David learned some things during that season of his life that there's some people you just don't need to listen to. Do you hear me? There's some people you just don't need to listen to. Job's comforters. There were talkers in the court that showed up during this trying time of his life. Now, of all times for people to show up, you know, when you're going through a trial, you don't need somebody like that in your life. You want somebody to help you, encourage you, say, come on, you're going to make it. You, you, you can." But instead of that, David had these people that were whispering behind his back and said, oh, you know what, you need to run. You need to get out of here as quick as you can. You better make sure you don't stay the night because Saul's going to... And he's having, to, he's having to process all of this and keep his mind where it's supposed to be and his spirit in the right place and his attitude right. And here they are telling him he needs to flee and run away. And those voices that can get in your mind during seasons like that can cause you a lot of heartache. And there's some of those in your, your life right now. Some of you are listening ...to some of those voices right now... ...and they're tormenting your life. You're listening to that stuff. And you're thinking... ...well, you know, maybe they see something that I don't see. You know, I've learned this about crisis. When you're going through a crisis... ...you're always second-guessing yourself. Or at least I have. And you're always... ...well, did I do the right thing? And we're... ...you know, a conscientious person is always concerned... ...about doing the right thing... And so you start thinking it you, you, you hear so much of it after a while, you thought well, well maybe they 're right, maybe I do need and David's having to listen to he's he's hearing all these voices around him and all of these things that are urging him to do this or do that or run away or flee or hide and what i would do if i was in your situation and david had to somehow close his ears to that kind of voice and and those sounds that came And determined that his life was going to be built and based and lived on another set of priorities. He said basically that my life will not be controlled by fear. Somebody needs to listen to me right now because I didn't have any intentions of preaching this tonight. But God knew you were going to be here. And I'm here to tell you, you need to stop letting fear drive you And your reaction to life. And everything that's going on. Fear will make you panic. And it will cause you to lose. Your sense of. of, Or your ability to discern. The good or the bad. Or the right or the wrong. And David made up his mind. I am not going to let. Fear drives my life. The fear of somebody leaving me. The fear of somebody lying on me. The fear of somebody not liking me or not wanting me. I am not going to let my life be controlled by fear. I'm not going to get up in the morning worried that I'm not going to make it through the day. I'm not going to go to bed at night worried that I won't make it through the night. There are people that live like that. I am not making my decisions based on fear, but I want to make my decisions based on faith. My confidence, my trust is in the Lord. Amen. Somebody needs to settle that tonight because some of you are listening to some voices in your mind right now. That's telling you a hundred different things, and all hundred of them are wrong. You don't need to listen to anything but his voice. And his voice says, just stay cool, stay calm. Amen. And David knew that, he understood that. He determined that his life was not going to be controlled by fear. But his life was going to be determined and controlled by his trust in God. That if I fail, it means that God failed. If I go down, it's going to mean that God went down. And David knew enough about what he had already learned about God. That it doesn't matter if it's a lion or a bear or a Saul or a Goliath or whatever else you may face in your life. That God can help you overcome every one of those things. To do anything other than that was an act of mistrust in God. And he said, I will not act any other way. Here is where his fear was conquered. And here is where our fear is conquered. When we determine... That our life is not going to be controlled by the events of life, but the creator of life. Amen. How many of us have control over the events of life right now? How many of you have control over what's going to come to you when you get home tonight or tomorrow? The phone that's going to ring. The, the, the doctor's call that's going to come. Or the news that you're going to get from something, maybe an investment or, or a job or some hope of the future or some plan that you have. How many of us have control over any of that that could stop an evil report from being spoken or could stop something bad happening? None of us have that kind of control. And so instead of being controlled by my circumstances, I would rather be controlled by my creator who made me and knows me and he knows how to sustain me and he knows how to keep me. Come on, somebody say, I love you, Lord. I want to trust you, Lord. I want to keep my hand in you tonight. When your fear urges you to flee as a bird to the mountain, David determined that instead of fleeing, he was going to trust. Instead of running, he was going to worship and lean upon his God. This bird that was mentioned here is the most apt picture of a man who seemingly has no refuge except flight. People are shooting at him privately, and they are in the dark. The word privately that is used there literally means in the dark. People were shooting at him, taking pot shots at him in the dark. David said, I don't have any control over that, but the one thing that I do have control over is where my heart is going to be fixed, and my heart is fixed on him. I'm going to trust him. He's brought me this far. He will take me through. Amen. Saul didn't have a more loyal supporter in all of the court than David, but he was too dumb to know that. He was too self-ridden to know that. He was too self-centered to know that. Saul couldn't see it because he was too blinded by his own hatred and his own vengeance. And Saul's heart was a fertile soil for backbiting and whispering and all of that. And David knew that the intent that was aimed at him was to destroy him. But in spite of that, he was unmoved by those things because his trust was in the Lord. There's a determination that is made no matter what the attack is. My hope is in God. My trust is in Him. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That was the simple question. And the reality was David knew if the foundation was destroyed, nothing could be saved, but my foundation will never be destroyed Because my foundation is not King Saul. It's not his rulership. It's not his authority. My life is based on something higher and much more substantial. Based on the Lord. And there are some things that David noted in this psalm that I want to show you. And then I'm going to let you go home and maybe digest this. But here's some facts that you need to consider that David considered These are facts. These are not supposition. These are not hopes. These are not wishful things. These are facts that David come to understand. And this is what helped settle his spirit and keep him calm. And it kept him from losing his mind or running away as they had suggested in hiding. And this is what he said in verse, I believe, number 4. He said, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. What I want you to note and what David seemed to take note of was where the Lord was and where the Lord sat. He is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is on the heavens. It is he who sees all things, not from the throne of a man named Saul who could only see a limited portion of. But God sat upon the circle of the earth, and His throne was in the heavens, and He could see everything. He could see the end from the beginning, and the beginning from the end, and the start from the finish, and He knew it all and everything in between. And understanding that, that the Lord is on the throne, that He has not abdicated His rule over this thing called earth. And he has not abdicated his rule over my life personally. He has not given up on me. He has not turned his back on me. It is so easy to judge by the appearance of the moment. And it's so easy for us to look around at where we are in this room and say, oh, we'll never make it. But God sits at a higher elevation and he has a wider scope of vision than we have. And David realized that. I can't see a way out, but that doesn't mean there isn't a way out. God sees a way for me through this and God knows what it's going to take to get me through it. And so if I will trust him, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, he's going to see me through. Praise God. It's so easy to be a person who is overwhelmed by what's going on around us I'm I'm just as weak as anybody else and sometimes what's happening in our life at the moment can be so overwhelming that we want to throw our hands up and it does sometimes look as though God has abdicated his throne because he 's silent he 's not answering our prayer he's not responding to us he 's not speaking to us, and all that we hear is the voice of evil speakers and those who have malcontent against us, but God has not abdicated his throne to anybody, Saul or any otherwise. He still sits on the throne of the earth that means he 's still in control church and i I've got to say that again to somebody I don't don't care what it seems like at this moment. God is still in control. You ought to lift your hands and thank him for that right now. Hallelujah. Come on, thank him for that. He's in control. Amen. He is in control. And I'm going to live my life with that knowledge and that understanding. I'm not going to live my life tormented by what could happen I'm going to live on the basis of what I know is happening. And that is God sits upon the throne of the earth. All it would take would be for a Holy Ghost revival to break out and turn the world right side up right now. And all it would take would be for a move of God in your situation and the whole tide would be turned. The devil has no antidote for revival. Do you know that? He has no antidote for a move of God's Spirit. He may rage for a moment. He may be as a roaring lion. But that's about all that he can do is just roar. Amen. He's already been defamed. He's, he's defeated. If you don't know that, the devil's already defeated. And he has been bound in chains. And whatever he works in our life is through our ignorance of what he already is. He's a defeated foe. And he hates revival. He hates the fact that God sits up on the circle of the earth. That he's overseeing and watching everything that's going on. And he's not going to let anything happen to me that doesn't first pass his approval. Amen. Nothing. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. God's in control. The second thing that David noted about the Lord was not only did he sit upon the throne... But he said, his eyes are looking out. The Lord is upon his throne in heaven and his eyes, behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tryeth the righteous. David learned something about God that he never would forget. And that was that the Lord sees. He's not dead. He's not blind He is not on vacation but he is very much alive and alert to my needs and my interests. It is interesting the word that David used here he spoke of the eyelid the reference of the eyelid is important and interesting because when we want to look at something more closely typically we will squint our eyes to bring it into sharper focus and that's The word that is used in the Hebrew, that this concern that was going on in David's life had caused God to squint his eyes, so to speak, and narrow his focus in on him alone. If there's no other comfort that comes to you tonight, the comfort that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous... The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro in all the earth, so that He can do good to His people. When we want to look at something closer, we will narrow our eyes and bring it into sharper focus. And David realized that when he was in this pressure-filled moment that God was narrowing his eyes over David and looking for those things to do that will bring blessings. Far from being indifferent to his life, God was very much concerned about what was going on in his life. And God was watching him at that moment. He used the situation of Saul's court to try him. And that's something that some of us have a hard time understanding is that God would use evil things to try us. But God used Saul's court to try David. God puts us in the crucible To reveal what is in us that is unclean, so that the silver will remain. And the dross will be removed. And here in this court. Whatever there was in David. That was not like the Lord. The Lord used that crucible. To take it out of him. So that there was the sweet song. Of a singer who had been delivered. And had learned. That his help came from the Lord. It didn't come from man. And it didn't come from his surroundings. His help came from the Lord. One other great comfort to David was the fact that he understood one thing about God, and this ought to help somebody here tonight, and is the fact that God hasn't changed his feelings about the wicked. Amen. Did you hear me? God hasn't changed his feelings about the wicked. The Bible said, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. David come to understand that God has the same feelings toward wickedness that he's always had. And he will rain snares and brimstone upon their horrible deeds at some point. God was not going to let evil go unpunished. And even though he was allowing what was going on in David's life at the moment to try him, Saul was going to be held accountable for everything that he did. Not one thing would he get by with. You know, some of you need to understand that some of the bad things that are happening in your life and you think people are getting by with it, they're not, nobody's getting by with anything. Nothing. Nothing. Just understand this, that God hasn't changed his feelings about the wicked. And he will rain snares and fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest upon them at some point. He will so entangle the wicked in their own wickedness that they will not be able to escape. Sins which corrupt the very foundations of the social structure of a people will not be ignored by God and God will not always turn his head away. There's going to come a day of judgment, folks, and there's some folks that are going to find that payday comes and payday is going to be heavy. Balaam was snared by his own lust and he perished with the very people that he despised, the Moabites. Haman was hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. And whatever it is that's trying to destroy you right now, you just hear me. God's going to bring it about and they're going to be hung on their own gallows because God still hates wickedness. Amen. He hates the wicked and those who love such deeds. And then David learned this one thing and I'm closing. He learned that no matter what happened around him, what came out of him had to be a confession of faith. It had to be a confession of God's rule and God's reign in his life. Whatever happens, whatever happens, the righteous person will win in the end if he stays true to his God. And our victory will be to gaze upon the face of our God and Savior and Him call us His child in the end. And the presentation of that moment will be worth whatever we've had to go through to get there. This present situation is not going to destroy me but deliver me. It's not going to defeat me. It's going to make me. And so David learned that if anything comes out of my mouth, it's not going to be negative. It's not going to be criticism. It's not going to be bitterness. It's not going to be hatefulness. But whatever came out of his mouth was going to be praise unto God. There was going to be a worship that no matter how bad things got, there was going to be a song that came forth from his soul. I wish somebody could get hold of that tonight. That no matter what happens in your life, no matter what people do to you, no matter what people say to you, that there's something so deep inside of you that nothing can shake it away, and that is your worship to God and your faith in Him who sits upon the throne. He's the one that controls my life. Not the economy, not the government, not some boss that sits in some high lofty office, but God is the one that controls my destiny. And I'm not leaving here until God says it's time for me to leave here. And you know what, folks? I don't want to stay a second longer than God wants me to be here. So quit worrying about whether you're going to die too soon. You're not going to die until God says it's time for you to die. And this isn't going to kill you. It will make you. Let's stand to our feet. Praise God. He learned a lot in Saul's presence. Things he probably didn't want to have to learn. But he learned them anyway. And we are the better for it tonight. Because we can go back to that book. He knew a little bit. Of, and understand that David knew a little bit about where we are right now. He knew a little bit about pressure. He knew a little bit about people who do things to hurt you and harm you. Through it all, he learned to keep a song somewhere in his soul and keep his trust in God and continue to worship. That's what I want to do. Life can make you bitter. If you're not careful, it can make you brittle. People can make you mad. They can pull the starch out of you sometimes. Amen. But I want something so deep inside of me that no matter what anybody does to me, it can never dislodge what God has done for me. Amen. Did you get that? It doesn't matter what people have done to me. What matters is what God has done for me. He's delivered me. He's kept me this far. Do you know what? If the devil could have killed me, he would have already done it. And he had plenty of opportunity. Because there were times that I wasn't really living for God the way I ought to be living for God. I wasn't walking with him where I needed to walk with him. And so if I was ever vulnerable, and if the devil had any power to do anything to me, he could have done it then. I'm still here (laughs) I'm still here like it or not I'm still here I'm just thanking God tonight that in spite of all of the hell that some of us have had to live through there's something in me that still wants to raise my hands when I come into the house of God and there's something down in my soul that wants to turn its attention to the God who has kept me and favored me and worked with me and watched over me and led me and directed me and even though I've got a few scars and bumps and bruises on my life I'm still here and I still have a voice and I want to use that voice in the right way I'm not going to give the devil credit for one thing I'm not I don't even want to spend any more time talking about him I want to talk about the Lord The Lord's kept me. The Lord's been good to me. I don't know about you. I don't know how you feel about Him tonight, but God's been really good to me. Oh, yes, He has. When I could have easily been taken out of the way and God could have taken me to another world, He saved me. Amen. I'm thankful for that hand that's been on my life. Oh, God, help me to learn in the dark seasons of my life how to maintain myself To how to maintain my integrity and not lose my cool and not react to things the way the devil would like for me to react and not run like the devil would like for me to run but just let me plant my feet in a good old place of worship and let me lift my hands and thank him one more time that he kept me I'm still here Oh, come on. Somebody do that with me right now. Oh. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Through yes. it all.